access to RFR only on Patreon. Become a member of the RFR Patreon community to get more Rebel Force Radio. Bonus shows and content are available right now only at patreon.com slash rebelforceradio. Need a good night's sleep? Casper can help. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash RFR. Use promo code RFR. That's casper.com slash RFR. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. Well, it was awfully nice of StarWars.com and the uh, PR folks there at Lucasfilm to wait until just a couple hours before we started recording this week's show to drop the big news about the new live-action streaming series about the, uh, the wacky adventures of Cassian Antor, <laughs> played by Diego Luna from Rogue One. Yeah, that's right. Big news, big news. Bob Iger was the uh, the one to announce it, and uh, we've got uh, information about that and uh, oh, so much more, plus your comments as they come way on the uh, Rebel Force Radio uh, voicemail line. Uh, so you're in the right place for Star Wars Talk News, commentary, analysis, all of the above here, Friday, November 9th, 2018, this week's show. And, uh, of course, joining me, as he always is, my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. This is where the fun begins. Rebel Force Radio, the most positive and optimistic Star Wars show around. And uh, you can look that up. I don't know where you'd look it up, but... Uh, it's a fact. It's, it is the fact, Jack. Yeah. And uh, we're feeling good about Star Wars here, and uh, we're feeling good about uh, late-breaking news about a new Star Wars streaming series. We're not talking about The Mandalorian. We're talking about something else, and we'll be getting to that story in just a few minutes. But before we start taking the deep dive, I want to uh, thank... Some great listeners of ours, Nick and Linda Zielinski, who sent me a, a wonderful note and a package, said, thank you for all the hard work you and Jason do for the fans. Just a small token of appreciation. See you in April. Of course, talking about coming to Chicago for the big convention happening here in April, Star Wars Celebration. With the note, a Black Series 6-inch Gamorrean Guard. Oh. Unbelievable. What what a great gesture. Thank you so much, Nick and Linda. Now, 
Jason, you yes. are the completionist when it comes to these Black Series figures. I'm still old school, three and three quarter inch. Give me vintage. But you are uh, way into the Black Series, and I like that. I, I like that one host has a different collecting focus than the other host. Well, once and, you uh, go black. <laughs> <laughs> so Black Series is happening, and yeah. uh, we have this Gamorrean guard. And I was just, uh-huh. before I crack it open, I, I'm going to ask you first, uh-huh. do you need this for your collection? Because if you do, I'll send it right to you. Well, let me tell you about my Gamorrean guard. <laughs> I do story. well I do have it. I do have it. Oh good. Uh good. I finally got it and and I'm sure that uh uh Nick and Linda were were responding to my complaints weeks ago when I said that it was impossible to find. My target doesn't get it. Uh I'm I'm seeing them show up all over, you know, on eBay and this and that. Um, so I, I relented and I bought it off of eBay and at probably about a $10 premium. So I paid the scalper an additional 10 bucks over what it, it would retail for. So I do have it. It was, believe me, it's worth every penny. And then some, I think it's one of the absolute best of the black series. What I love about it the most, Jim, you go ahead and crack it open, get that guy on your shelf because What's so great about it is that his mouth, his his jaw is hinged. So you can open the mouth yeah. on this thing. So you can, you know, pose him, uh, you know, uh, like, you know, kind of uh, imposing there at the door of Jabba's palace. Or you can have him like mouth agape as the rancor is squeezing the life out of him right before he gets his head bitten off. So it's your choice. But a uh, great action figure. I mean, one of the uh, absolute best. I'm going to so, use that hinged jaw to have a cigar with the guy. He looks like a lot of fun. <laughs> and so yeah. uh, so, oh, so it is It is a fish. I can add him to my collection. Please do. Please so do. So good. So Nick and uh, Linda, thank you so much again for that uh, That that great uh, that great action figure. And we don't solicit any kind of gifts. The only gift we really want here on this show is for you guys to listen. So, uh, th- but, but thanks again, uh, Nick and Linda. That was really cool of you guys to do. And uh, speaking of something cool, is uh, everyone is talking classic rock these days. More specifically, they're talking about the Queen movie, Bohemian Rhapsody. It's totally number one at the box office through its uh, first week of release. I don't know how much it's actually pulled in, but uh, people are still flocking to the theaters to hear the story of uh, Freddie Mercury and Brian May and all those guys. Uh, so far, the movie's pulled in $65 million bucks, so uh, pretty great for uh, October into November release. And it's just so awesome that so many people are talking about Queen and remembering the great Freddie Mercury. And we've talked about Queen here before on Rebel Force Radio because, yes, there is a Star Wars tie-in to Queen, Jason. There is. One of my favorite songs, uh, I think that made uh, the greatest hits volume two. I can't remember if it's volume one or volume two. Uh, but certainly it's on the greatest hits roster, and that is uh, the tune of Bicycle Race. Yes. Yeah. And in that song, Freddie actually references two of the huge blockbusters of the 70s. Um, Bicycle Race, of course, was originally on the Jazz album in 1978. But um, he references not only Star Wars, but Jaws as well. So you have the uh, the Lucas-Spielberg rivalry continuing, you know, the friendly rivalry continuing mm-hmm. 
in the Queen song. So we have the uh, excerpt from the song Bicycle Race by Queen. And uh, here's what Freddie had to say about both Jaws and Star Wars. You say black, I say white, you say bar, I say bite, you say shark, I say him and Jaws was never my scene and I don't like Star Wars. You know, I got to tell you, for the longest time, that really bummed me out. I, yeah. I, I, I'm a big fan of Queen, and I'm one of those that discovered Queen later. I think there was a Jimmy, you and I were talking about this a little bit off air that, uh, you know, Queen was uh, enormously popular in the States, but but probably more in the UK than in the States during their their reign in, in pop music. But it, of all things, it was the Wayne's World movie. Uh, back in the early 90s that brought Bohemian Rhapsody and Queen sort of back into the spotlight. And that's when I discovered them. I was in junior high school. Uh, and uh, then uh, just before that, you know, Freddie, it wasn't that long before that that Freddie had passed away untimely. That was during the, you know, when everybody was learning about what was going on with, uh, with the AIDS virus. Uh, he was one of the probably the more uh, famous uh folks to uh suffer and and die from that disease and so between uh the wayne's world movie and freddie's passing and people starting to really uh, pass around that live aid performance uh that sort of just was kind of a, a huge moment in in the life of of the band uh that's when i really discovered queen for me and uh, it's i think it's great that People are rediscovering it. But I, I have to say, it was always very bittersweet when I would hear that song <laughs> and I'd hear it and say, hey, man, Jaws will never my thing and I don't like Star Wars. How could you not like Star Wars, Freddie? You're so cool. And uh, but so is there any the truth to it? Is there yeah, any truth okay. to it? Jaws was never my scene and I don't like Star Wars. And so, yeah, a lot of people point their blasters toward Freddie and say, what are you saying? You don't like Star Wars. How dare you? And this was like at the peak of the Star Wars cultural big splash of the uh, latter half of the 70s, 1978, you know? I mean, Star mm -hmm. Wars was a pop culture uh, freight train at that point. And so for Freddie to make this statement, and Jaws too, I mean, come on, Jaws was never my sure. scene. Well, you know, I mean, we're talking about swimming in the ocean with killer sharks. Never quite my scene either, Freddie. But uh, <laughs> if we're talking about movies... yeah. Um, and I uh, I brought this up to James Burns from JediNews.co.uk out at uh, Rancho Obi-Wan. And I said, hey, man, are you uh, excited to go see Bohemian Rhapsody? And he's like, uh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, would, I actually would have been at the U.K. premiere, but I'm out here for the Rancho Gala. And I was like, wow, man, that's amazing. Because um, actually, uh, we were talking about this before the show. But James has a connection with Brian May from Queen because it's known that Brian May is a big Star Wars fan, the lead guitarist for Queen. Big collector. <clears throat> and he Big collects. into the toys, yeah. And so we think that uh, James and Brian made a connection because James, for the longest time, had the biggest Star Wars website in the U.K., uh, probably still does. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know who's keeping track of that stuff, but... Uh, somehow they made a connection. Uh, that's something that we should ask James. I was like, how did you make a connection with Brian May? But uh, uh, I asked him about this, and uh, I said, uh, well, what about Freddie? You know, Freddie didn't like Star Wars. 
And James said, no, you don't understand. And Brian has talked to me about this before. Freddie is a character in that song, Bicycle Race. He's not singing in a, like, you know, he's, he's not laying out an autobiography. He's, he's being a character. Mm. And uh, it, it's, not, it, it's not a reflection on him as a person. And actually, Freddie really liked Star Wars a lot. But I can't just take James's word for it, so I looked it up on Wikipedia, which is always a dicey thing anyway. But, I mean, here's what Wikipedia had to say. Brian May has said that the song was not an autobiographical portrait of Mercury and that Mercury did not particularly enjoy bicycling. Also noting, <laughs> also noting that despite the lyrics, Mercury was a Star Wars fan. So we ha- but we do have evidence of that. Because of the photos that have been floating around on the internet lately. They've been out there for a long time, but now they're back up in our face with Bohemian Rhapsody, number one at the box office. There are these great photos of a Star Wars character making a cameo during uh, Queen performances in the 80s. Have you seen these? You know, I, I, I couldn't believe it when I was looking at the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the show rundown this week because a friend of mine at work sent me this. This is a story that's been making the rounds because, uh, you know, as you said, Jim, the uh, Bohemian Rhapsody movie and everyone's sort of rediscovering uh, uh, Freddie Mercury's uh, his, his genius and his just way over the top style. Uh, but th- but there was a, there's a photo that's been making the rounds of Freddie Mercury wearing a Flash Gordon T-shirt and a pair of very skimpy, uh, b- like black leather shorts, riding atop the shoulders of someone wearing a Darth Vader mask and sporting sort of a, I, I guess you can say a Darth Vader costume. It's a, it's a little. Uh, doesn't look it's this is not screen accurate let's just put it that way <laughs> it's bootleg yeah totally bootleg uh it's like he's he's right riding an ouse action figure here almost um but he's he's riding atop the shoulders of this darth vader character and the photographer is a guy named tom callens and he has been talking about this photo and if you've seen it you can't forget it so you know what i'm talking about if you haven't seen it just google it but uh, Tom said prime time, uh, Freddie, Freddie Mercury with the mustache. <laughs> so they're on the tour for the game. He's wearing the Flash Gordon T-shirt. So obviously they were performing numbers from that movie soundtrack, which they did. And uh, so that would be 1980. I, I think the game and Flash came out around the same year. So um, 1980. Yeah. And uh, Google is my friend here. Uh, Flash Gordon movie. Uh, release date of 1980. So, okay. Mm-hmm. So they're touring on, you know, they're, they're writing the back of two albums. Queen the Game, which uh, really was a huge hit for Queen. It had another one, Bites the Dust. It had a crazy little thing called Love. Just a great album. I owned it on vinyl, along with the Flash Gordon soundtrack, which I owned on 8-track. So uh, why I wasn't at this show, who knows? I didn't start going to concerts, like big-time concerts, until a few years after this. So you never saw Queen in in person then? Mm. No, I was only 11 uh, when they were on the tour for the game. And, of course, they they kept out there on the road, and and I 
I just never, I, I guess I just never was a big enough fan of Queen to really feel compelled to go see them. A lot of people feel they jumped the shark in the mid 80s when uh, they did that uh, one album, uh, uh, Radio Goo Goo, Radio Gaga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot Radio of people Gaga. are like, oh no, what happened to Queen? Hmm. <laughs> And they, but you know what? There was an album they put out in 1990 I remember listening to when I was in college and enjoying very much. But I never had the opportunity to see them perform live. And that's unfortunate. But uh, here's Freddie. He's on stage with Darth Vader. And uh, the famous internet photo, according to AV Club, was uh, taken at a Queen concert in Houston during the 1980 tour for the game. And uh, the photographer says it was during the encore and it was during We Will Rock You. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he came out sitting on Darth Vader's shoulders. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's how I picture it. He says, I guess it was a, a, a shticky did. On that tour, because I've seen other photos of other shows, I'm sure it was a roadie that they hired, or maybe a, uh, everybody just thought it was so funny. Uh, so Freddie was over the top. He was so over the top. I'm sure it was a roadie that they hired, or maybe a bodyguard. I guess you had to be a pretty bulky guy to carry Freddie around. Uh, so the Darth Vader shtick seemed to only be short-lived, and it was uh, very quickly replaced by Superman, which, of course, was another big film because uh, I think the, uh, they got a, I think they got a call from the Lucasfilm lawyers. Well, they may, they may have, because <laughs> back then, especially, there was no, you know, there was no five zero first back then. Oh no, I wasn't a member of the Garrison. That was, uh, like I said, that was a walking Uze figure. A few years later, Neil Young went on tour with Crazy Horse, and uh, their roadies were dressed like Jawas. Mm. And uh, they got the old uh, cease and desist from Lucasfilm Limited on that one as well. Well, I so. remember, uh, you know, growing up as a kid in the 80s and it was uh, I can't remember if they were the Oakland Raiders at the time or the L.A. Raiders. But either way, you know, that was one of the things I loved about Sunday football was if it was a Raiders game, you would hear that Imperial March. And there were always people in the stands dressed as Star Wars characters, particularly Darth Vader or Stormtroopers. Until... I think George Lucas going to sue somebody. <laughs> you know, yeah. and then you get the letter. Yeah. But right. um, so Freddie, uh, he, he must have had an affinity for Star Wars. If he's going to be riding around on Darth Vader's shoulders during the encore of We Will Rock You during that great Queen the Game tour slash Flash Gordon tour from 1980. Boy, to go back in a time machine and be at one of those concerts. Woo! Yeah. Amazing. Uh, just to wrap things up, we do have, uh, in uh, Star Wars and pop culture, we have a Star Wars Queen song parody mashup, courtesy of the students and faculty of the digital video program at the University of Advancing Technology in Tempe, Arizona. And uh, you can check them out at uat.edu. And uh, and uh, they did a, a really clever mashup, Bohemian Rhapsody, Star Wars edition. You can see the video on YouTube. We have a couple excerpts here. Uh, this is uh, part of the... Uh, the uh, digital video program at University of Advancing Technology in Tempe, Arizona. How do you guys fit that on your T-shirts? <laughs> <laughs> but here they are. Yeah. yeah, let's take a listen. 
Avengers captured Han Took him down without a fight And now he's frozen carbonite Java Luke Skywalker's come To free his friends and take them all away Java <laughs> I love it Oh, sorry. We had a little uh, YouTube interference here. Oh, sorry. Um, And then we have um, another uh, excerpt from the song. Of course, I was just looking for the thing that sort of summed it all up, and I couldn't just pick one part of the song, and I didn't want to play the whole song here on the show. Go see the music video to hear the whole thing. But I did want to pull that part that was made famous by Wayne's World, where they're all doing the high falsettos and then... They keep singing, and it builds up into the big guitar riff, the big guitar uh, power chords there, and everyone headbangs. So I had to take that part uh, out of the song. So here it is again, Queen Bohemian Rhapsody, Star Wars edition from the uh, university out there. in the t- I'm not going to say that mouthful of a name. <laughs> Let's go. I see a little silhouette of a green man Master Yoda, Master Yoda Will you raise up my X-Wing? Force of the lightning Very, very frightening me Obi-Wan 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 Jedi Master I'm just a slave boy Dragons come to free me Here's a chosen one from the prophecy Sparing his life from this captivity Everyone headbang. Yes, yes. That's the best part right there. So oh, nice. I, I like how they're mixing in, you know, OT and prequel I, I trilogy. Do, I do, too. I, I do want to say, uh, of course, if you're on the Internet, you've probably seen this a lot. But if you go see the Bohemian Rhapsody film, you'll you'll know that, yes, they do use uh, the tracks, many of the tracks that were originally recorded by Freddie Mercury. But they also got a guy on there. That is really sort of taking the internet by storm. His name is Mark Martell, and he's been knocking around a lot of different Queen tribute acts. But the guy is absolutely unbelievable. He's all over social media. Mark Martell is his name. Here's just a quick clip of him uh, at the piano by himself doing a little bit of We Are the Champions. And it's one of those things you have to hear to believe it. But committed no crime. Mistakes. I've made a few. I've had my shaft sad get to my base, but I've come through. We are the champions. 
So that's Mark Martell, not Freddie Mercury. And if you, yeah, I I mean, indistinguishable. Amazing. Uh, And he's uh, just uh, seems like a very likable guy, obviously an enormous Queen fan. But he recorded a lot of sort of some of the pickup stuff that they didn't have. uh, Obviously, recordings of Freddie Mercury doing. And uh, so at any rate, you got to check him out. He's on social media tours with uh, the Ultimate Queen Experience, I believe, the the Ultimate Queen Celebration, which is making the rounds. So if you are a Queen fan, uh, check out Mark Martell all over social media. And the guy is just uh, an absolute monster uh, vocally, but also seems like a heck of a nice guy. Okay, we're here at Star Wars Celebration Japan with none other than Boba Fett himself, Jeremy Bullock. Good morning, Jeremy. Hi, Jimmy. How are you? What kind of music are you into these days? I remember you telling me you were a big Queen fan. Well, I'm and still. I I'm leg on you. Yeah, you still yeah, have that that's one? right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I am a huge Queen fan. I love classical music. I like I like Debussy, mm. Prokofiev, but Queen. When you see uh, talking about Barcelona, the when they had the Olympic Games there. And you heard this at the beginning of yes. the sports thing. Barcelona. Right. Operatic voice. Oh, he had yes. Montserrat Caballé singing with him, Freddie Mercury. And they're a great group. And Brian May on the guitar, just sensational. I yeah. met Brian May once. You did? He was the nicest oh, he's, guy. Oh, he's a lovely bloke. He's about six foot five. Yeah. He, uh, he was in Chicago, and I remember he had a terrible cold. And I had all these questions I wanted to ask him about Queen and recording with Freddie and all the albums they did. And all we talked about was cold remedies. Yeah, because that's something yeah, I know yes. about being from Chicago. You know, <laughs> Cold remedies, yeah. Because it gets cold in yeah, Chicago. It certainly does, sir. And I'm going to wrap up the show with the uh, Queen's Barcelona. I'm going to play that, and I'm going to dedicate it to you. And make sure... Because, you know, they have different versions of Barcelona. You've got to have that intro music that goes on for a long time before, before they start singing. And I've got, to get that, I've got to get that copy. Oh, well, I'll find it and I'll make sure you get it. It's the one when it starts off, Barcelona. Da, 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 da. It, it, it's got to, you know, that intro music. Dun, 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 dun. And it starts. The great Freddie Mercury. We miss him. M- well, much missed. Take care, Jeremy. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the rest of your trip out here in Japan. Thanks, Jimmy. Hey, this is Dave Filoni of Star Wars The Clone Wars, and you are listening to Rebel Force Radio with Jason and Jimmy. You know, something we mentioned, uh, I think we talked about last week or, or, or maybe it was a couple weeks ago, is that, you know, with Star Wars Resistance on the air and our show, of course, growing by leaps and bounds every week and new listeners jumping on board, there are many listeners that don't know that we've been podcasting for so long that we actually have covered and done uh, not commentaries, but roundtable discussions about every episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. And, Jim, you've got a a project that you sort of have undertaken, which is reintroducing some of these these roundtable discussions that we hosted in some cases uh, 10 years ago. Yeah, absolutely, Jason. And we're doing it for members of the Rebel Force Radio Patreon community. 
We are bringing back Clone Wars to Classified, remastered re-releases of these episodes you can only find if you are a member of the RFR Patreon community uh, in the RFR Rewind tier and above. And so we started launching these remastered episodes. We went back to the master tapes and uh, took out uh, like a lot of stuff that might be considered dated or unnecessary and got right to the meat and our reviews. These are our famous roundtable discussions from the original run of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Also featured throughout will be episodes of The Filoni Files, Spotlighting all of our exclusive conversations with Clone Wars Supervising Director Dave Filoni. We're gathering up all of these original recordings, actually making it easier for you to access them. They'll all be right at your fingertips if you are a member of the RFR Patreon community. It's exclusive for our Patreon supporters. So go right now to patreon.com slash rebelforceradio and join now. Become a member and you can enjoy all kind of cool stuff. We also have uh, lots of different audio releases that we uh, lay on the Patreon community. Uh, exclusive programming like RFR Rush Hour featuring uh, me and Jason talking on his car ride home. Uh, it's always exciting. Jason may get in an accident. And why do we watch NASCAR to begin with? Why do we watch auto racing? We want to see those guys crash and burn. It's just the idea, the idea that maybe. It could happen. And believe me, I will release that podcast should it go down that way. In tribute. I wouldn't want it any other way. In tribute. In tribute. And that way your your force spirit will be with us always. But. But uh, hey, let's face it. We we both know that uh, if the, the first one to go is going to be me, so uh, <laughs> hopefully by you know hopefully natural causes. Okay? Yes, yeah. So right. you know, that's what I'm saying. You know, right. just fade away, just fade away like Yoda, and then uh, you know show up when necessary. Uh, right. Yes. You know, for like uh, you know film premieres and uh, various conventions. Oh, see, I'm going to have to be the weird guy that asks for the empty seat next to him because your Jedi spirit's going to show up. Yeah. These things. Yeah, but you know what? I'll I'll drop some hints to the staff that I'm on the way. All right. Probably like of the aroma fashion. Huh? And so they'll know to clear a certain area for us. Well, you'll spare me. Hey, by the way, we we do want to stop here just for a moment and say thank you to our sponsor this week, the good folks at Casper. Well, I'll tell you what, I sleep every night on a mattress made by folks at Casper. I was like, yeah, I sleep every night, too. (laughs) What's so special about you? (laughs) Well, I'm sleeping on a Casper mattress, and uh, my mattress, like all of Casper products, are cleverly designed to mimic human curves. I've got a few of those. Uh, and providing supportive comfort for all kinds of bodies. You spend one-third of your life sleeping, so you might as well be comfortable. And those experts at Casper, they have worked tirelessly to make a quality sleep surface that cradles your natural geometry in all the right places. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of of both sink and bounce. It's a breathable design that helps you keep cool and regulates your body temperature throughout the night. I've been sleeping on one for, oh gosh, about uh, three or four years now. And uh, running a special offer 
you can get $50 toward the select mattress of your choice by visiting casper.com slash RFR and then use that promo code RFR at checkout. That's $50 off towards your next mattress. All the various sizes available there by visiting casper.com slash RFR. Use RFR at the checkout. The offer is only applicable to select mattresses purchased and terms and conditions apply. $50 off. And uh, you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. 100 nights. Because you can't walk into a store and lay on the mattress for five minutes in front of the creepy sales guy and know if that's where you want to spend a third of your life. Of course not. The guy's just hovering over you, and he smells of tobacco-infused polyester (laughs) and old coffee. And you just don't... How are you going to be able to really judge that mattress in that situation? Well, Casper removes that element altogether. That's right, because you can get the mattress delivered to you right through, uh, right to your doorstep, and then get that 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. Uh, Once more, that's $50 towards select mattresses. Visit casper.com slash RFR. Use coupon code RFR at checkout. We thank Casper so much for their support of us here at Rebel Force Radio. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news. Well, just when you thought all the news coming at us fast and furious was going to be either about Episode 9 or The Mandalorian, Bob Iger... The CEO, the chairman of the board, the big kahuna over at uh, Disney lays this on us. We're working on a second live-action Star Wars series, a prequel to Rogue One, starring Diego Luna. Yeah! So, Diego Luna's Captain So, so matter of fact. Yeah, right. It's just... Uh, 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 what are yeah, we promoting? Yeah. He's learned it from George. You know, George. Now, what, what are we showing? It was interesting. Oh, the Blu-ray. This happened uh, just a few hours ago, and uh, Bob Bob Iger, he made this announcement about a Cassian Andor live-action series, mm-hmm. and he did it during Disney's 2018 Earnings Results Conference call, and of course, the Rebel Force Radio microphones were there. And so, to pick up all the excitement in Bob Iger's voice, as you can clearly <laughs> hear in that recording, you know, and that came right on the tails of him announcing that they had signed Tom Hiddleston uh, to reprise his role as Loki in a Marvel streaming series to also launch... Wait, 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 what? What? Yeah, Loki's Loki's getting his own show. Get out of here. Loki's getting his own show. Yes. And it's going to be on uh, Disney+. Plus. That was another announcement that Bob made. The uh, name is now official of that streaming service premiering in the fall. Uh, that's next fall, 2019. Uh, Disney Plus. That's the name of the uh, the service, and uh, I'm sure the app that you'll be uh, downloading to all of your devices, including your Apple TV, your Roku, what have you. But I did not hear about this. Uh, Loki, Tom Middleston. So I wonder if that takes Tom out of contention as being the next 007. The thought did cross my mind because he could be signed for several seasons. Yeah. If they choose to roll out these series as seasons, you know, I mean, everything could just be turned upside down with the way Disney approaches its release scheduling 
with this app. I mean, traditional schedules might go right out the window. Now, Jim, I got to tell you, I, I sort of fell off the Marvel movie bandwagon somewhere around after, right after the first Avengers movie. Yes. Uh, and I always appreciated Tom Middleston's uh, Loki. Uh, but but it, it, did, he's become sort of an anti-hero, right? Did he did he uh, turn babyface? Well, here's what you have to understand: you don't know nothing until you've seen the last Avengers movie, Avengers three. You have to see that. the The things that, that happen in that film yet. are monumental. Oh, and okay. so if if you haven't seen that movie, this this discussion is worthless. I don't want to oh. have it. And wow. All right. Infinity War for crying out loud, Jason. You have to uh-huh. go see the Infinity War. Oh, you ha- you right, have to right, sign right. up into the in- Infinity War before you get drafted into it. The events that happen in that movie are monumental. I, I can't even have this conversation uh, because, uh, A, I don't want to spoil it for uh, you and for others who haven't seen it. But uh, let's just say that you don't have to watch that movie very long. Um, before you get uh, a taste of Loki. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that film. Right. Yeah, baby. Yeah, okay. you need to see that one. You need to see that. All right. Well, Don't be I, intimidated about the canon, the Marvel canon that you I'm might I'm very not. intimidated. I, I feel like I have to watch all Don't. of these things. Don't, don't. Just no. You know what you know, and just go with the flow. And if there's certain things you don't understand, it'll it'll kind of come. Things will start to play out as the movie goes along. But uh, it's it's super compelling. Mm. That Infinity War. It's it's the best. It could be the the best Marvel movie, because I mean I I just felt like I was watching the whole thing and my jaw was just like what you know. It, there, there's a lot that happens in that movie. A lot. Right. And and you have to see it. You well, this isn't the Loki cast, but I I was just blown away because I I was sort of a, assuming that perhaps Tom Hiddleston is the uh, the heir apparent to Daniel Craig, who was uh, reportedly doing his last James Bond film, uh, James Bond, you know, Bond twenty five, which has been uh, pushed back to was given a twenty nineteen release date. Now we're moving into I think February of twenty twenty, somewhere around Valentine's Day. They need to do a James Bond team-up movie where you have all the surviving Bonds and then all the rumored Bonds. So you have Tom Hiddleston, you have Idris Elba, yes. you, you know, every guy you can probably, Ewan McGregor, anyone yep. who has been rumored to be the next James Bond. Have them all in a movie together. I like that idea. It's sort of like, uh, what was the movie with all of, the the, the uh, Expendables, Right. Right, but, but an expendables version, Bond version. Actually, Roger Moore, before he passed away, it's really a shame that he did not get that project uh, moved forward. He had an idea for an expendables like film with all of the live. Well, at that time, they 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 still were all living, all of the the Bond character or Bond actors. Yeah, and that would have been phenomenal to see them all in one film together, uh, kicking butt. Uh, might have even brought Sean Connery out of retirement there several years ago. But alas, was not meant to be. Roger uh, left us a couple years ago. Well, about a little more than a year ago. And uh, But yeah, that would have been great. Plus, I didn't even think about all of the wannabe Bonds. How about the Bonds that never were? You know, your uh, uh, Tom Selleck. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, he was, he was going to be a Bond. Uh, who else was going to be a Bond at one point? 
Well, Pierce Brosnan did eventually become a Bond, but he he, he was he was going to be a Bond after Roger Moore. They threw in Timothy Dalton. Well, maybe then, Diego Luna can maybe be a, a, a Bond. Luna, that's Th- right. That would really turn things inside out. But uh, he did yeah. have something to say to StarWars.com about uh, uh, reprising the role of Cassian Andor. And uh, uh, according to StarWars.com, in a press release that we received from Lucasfilm as well, the series is going to be part of the direct-to-consumer streaming service, Disney+. Plus. And the series will go into production next year. It's going to follow the adventures of rebel spy Cassian Andor during the formative years of the Rebellion, which is, gosh, it seems like really attractive storytelling playing board for Lucasfilm because they keep coming back to this. The formative years of the Rebellion. We got a taste of it with Amphi's Nest in Solo. Uh, we, we saw it get played out with Saw Gerrera in both The Clone Wars and Rogue One. Rogue One itself, all about the formative years of the Rebellion. Not to mention, it was the main focus of the entire series run of Star Wars Rebels. There was a whole subplot to Revenge of the Sith that George Lucas wanted to infuse into the canon about people like Bail Organa, Mon Mothma, and Fang Zar with the long beard all having these clandestine meetings on Coruscant, basically forming the foundation for the rebellion. So this is a story that keeps getting hit on time and time again. And so now here we're going back there with uh, Diego. Now what I like about it is it's putting us in the dark times. Mm-hmm. The dark times is a good time to tell stories. We've seen it from Rogue One. We've seen it from Solo. But specifically with Rogue One, people really loved Rogue One. And I think people really like Diego Luna a lot, too, as Cassian Andor. So I think this means we're going to have the origin of K2 in this uh, series. You know, let's, let's start speculating. Let's just jump right in. Let's go for it. Uh, the early days... The early adventures of rebel spy Cassian Andor. Well, how early are we talking about? Because remember in Rogue One, he says he's like, I've been fighting this war since I was six years old. Are we going to have like six-year-old Cassian? <laughs> is that how it's going to Well, be? not if Diego Luna's in the show, and we know that uh, Diego Luna is in the show. Well, maybe he just bookends the beginning. Oh, and the end, like and young Indy. Yeah, and he's just like, there's uh, something I learned when I was a young boy fighting the war. <laughs> and then they just like that. You hear that harp sound. And then they, they show it. And it's like, yeah. And it's and it's like Manny from Modern Family playing <laughs> young Cassie and Andor. No, perfect. I, I, that would be perfect. But no, I, I don't think. Listen, I'm just joking around. I don't think that that's the direction the show's going to go in. I think we're going to see some really hardcore stuff. Very much in the same tone as Rogue One was in. I think uh, we will get that, you know, the first meeting with Cassian and K2. I think we'll get uh, some cameos. Let's think about the cameos. Could we see some some big heavies in Star Wars? I'm thinking Bounty Hunters. I'm thinking Jabba the Hutt. I'm thinking we could even go all the way upstairs to Darth Vader. Grand Maybe, Moff Tarkin. Bring on the Tark. Uh, there could be all kind of things. Could there be prequel 
characters that could get infused in the Cassian story? What if he's on one of these early adventures and he comes across, you know, like some cave or something and somebody has clearly set up a habitat in there and you don't know who it is. It's on some uncharted planet. And it turns out it's a it's Mace Windu with with droid prosthetics and he's been cut off from the force. But Cassian presents him with a kyber crystal, something Mace has not held in his hand for you know, a decade, he starts connecting with the force again. And then all of a sudden Mace Windu is back in action with Cassian Andor. Mm. And then maybe we'll hear the end of his story because everyone knows that hands or not Mace survived that force lightning toss out the window, but he, he got severed from the force. He got severed from his hands too. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Don't forget Ben Mendelsohn. You know, as uh, as Krennic could we show could, up, yeah. Rogue One cameos, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, who who would who would be most natural? Jimmy Smith's uh, bring back Bail Organa. Obviously, those mm-hmm. two have a they have a connection. Mon Mothma, um, Craven, yep. Uh, Akbar, yes, yes. So these are some characters we can be looking for in this Cassian Andor show. And like I said, it's such fertile ground that the dark period between the prequel and original trilogy, that's like really good stuff. That's a good stuff for mining. And then you have classic stormtroopers all over the place, TIE fighters, all that Imperial tech. This is at the height of Imperial domination. Perhaps um, cameos from R2 and 3PL serving time with the Rebellion. A young Leia. You never know. You never know. I mean, the thing that I always think about when I think of Cassian Andor and we first were introduced to him in Rogue One was, you know, the, the, the incredibly bold and in some cases, you know, some may say brutal move he had of uh, stabbing and killing or not stabbing, but but, but shooting and killing uh, his contact there at the top of the uh, of the film. Yeah, I I love this idea of a of Star Wars meets spy, you know, uh, and, and and you know, all respect to Resistance, uh, that wasn't exactly what I had in mind. I wasn't looking for James Bond Junior. But if you take uh, you know uh, Diego Luna and and make him a spy for the Rebellion and infiltrating the uh, the Empire, now that's that is that's something that would get me to tune in each and every week. That's that's cool stuff. How does the the, the spy world and the idea of being a spy? What does that look like in the Star Wars universe? I want to find out. Me too, Jason. I want to hear what listeners to this show think. I want to hear what Star Wars fans think. So uh, I've asked people to leave us a voicemail at seven zero eight. 3201RFR and tell us what they think about the big announcement from Bob Iger and uh, the next live action Star Wars streaming series Cassian or is it going to be Andor or is it going to be Rebellion Uh, you know I mean we haven't had we've had a Rebels Star Wars Rebels how about a Star Wars Rebellion series Uh, you know starring Cassian Andor and Hervey Villages as Tattoo (laughs) <laughs> smiles everyone smiles all right well um, let's see we, we do have a we do have a voicemail this is lenny from orlando he wants to uh, chime in about the latest from bob Iger and the series starring diego luna 
Hey, Jason. Hey, Jimmy. This is Lenny from Orlando, Florida, and just calling in to uh, give you my reaction on the news about Disney uh, streaming service and uh, the opportunity to uh, see Cassian Andor and his series coming to light um, next year. And I'm uh, I'm excited. I am shocked, uh, frankly, to, to see this uh, coming to light uh, now, but it is a fantastic um, opportunity to see uh, such a fantastic character come on screen. Um, I guess my question to you guys and uh, to get your take is what, what are the, what's the possibility that we can see a crossover um, with the events of Solo happening potentially around that same time frame? Um, I think it would be great to see um, those characters brought on light and potentially within the streaming service. Um, I think it would be a good opportunity, right, for for Disney to jump on board and uh, continue the the great characterization um, of Han Solo and uh, using Alden's uh, Alden's version, right, continue that uh, that on screen. I think that would be a fantastic opportunity and uh, opportunities too to keep the seeing the legacy characters like Chewie and Lando. Um, so let me know what you think. Great um, job with the show, guys. Really loving the episodes as of late, and um, keep up the keep up the good work. We love it. Um, may the force be with you, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. All right, Jim. What do you think? Could could this perhaps? You were mentioning before all the potential cameos. You talked about prequel cameos. We talked about Rogue One cameos. What about Han Solo cameos? Lenny's got it right. That's a no-brainer right there. You have Alden. You have Chewie. You, you know, Jonas is ready to go. Uh, yeah, you could easily infuse them into this time period and have Cassian come across them somehow. Or uh, at least uh, the Millennium Falcon and Han and Chewie playing some sort of factor in something Cassian's up to. I don't think it would precede anything in Solo. Like, I wouldn't say, oh, there's L3, you know, uh, or, or even Kira. That might even be a, a hard one to bring into something that's uh, going to primarily be focused on the military of the rebellion and their attempts, and Cassian's attempts as a spy to. Uh, to, to learn imperial secrets that can be used against them. I think that's going to be the focus of the series. But little uh, cameos or even full episodes that feature some of these characters as major players in the plot, Han and Chewie, yeah, I think they're top of the list for likely candidates to be included into this series or a series similar to something like this on the Disney streaming service. All right, let's see what else we got here. Uh, aha, this is Eric from Phoenix. Take it away, Eric. Let us know what you think. Hey, Jason. Hey, Jimmy. This is Eric from Phoenix. Hey, I just saw the news about the new Cassian Andor spy thriller TV series rolling out on the new Disney Plus platform. Um, i got to be honest with you, that caught me off guard. Um, in my mind, I didn't know if I'd ever see the Rogue One characters again. And um, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, I thought Cassian was a great character. Um, you know, definitely kind of a different approach to Star Wars um, for that character. I mean, he shot the shot the rebel guy at the beginning of the movie. Um, you know, so I'd be curious to see, you know, what things had Cassian been involved in before the events of Rogue One. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll get K2SO. Ah! 
My wife's not thrilled about that. She didn't particularly like the character. I thought he was pretty pretty cool and loved him, but it sounds great. I'd love to see a, a, see a spy-type show, kind of a different genre um, for the um, for Star Wars, and I think it could be a lot of fun and very interesting to see the behind-the-scenes. Maybe we'll get Boffins, guys. What do you think? Boffins, guys? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. All right. Well, thanks very much. Appreciate that. Eric from Phoenix. Uh Obviously, uh, you know, this is going to cause a lot of folks to think a lot of different things. When you think about all of the characters out there that exist within the Star Wars canon, uh, I'm kind of with Eric. Uh, I was not expecting a Cassian Andor story. Uh, But having said that, you know, that is a character that got my attention right away when he was introduced in Rogue One. And continued to hold, uh, you know, some interest that I had. I also thought something was a little funny because they released a, a vintage collection version of Cassian Andor just recently in one of the uh, latest waves, three yeah. and three quarter inch figures. I thought, wow, that's a little uh, odd, right? I mean, he's no. had his time. You're but right. Perhaps they knew that this was being announced, and let's mm-hmm. get the action figure out there. Absolutely, yeah. Good call there. Uh, there's definitely a connection between the merchandising, marketing, and filmmaking approach or uh, content, actual content, you know. Uh, wow, that's great. Um, Cassian, I think this is catching everyone out of the blue. There was not even a whisper of a rumor. Uh, there was uh, really little anticipation that uh, Bob Iger was going to make an announcement on this sort of level of magnitude during this conference call earlier uh, today, Thursday. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool that we can still get surprised by Star Wars news here in the Internet age. Mm. And I like it. I like it, even though Bob didn't really seem to be too pumped up about it. But uh, we do have a quote from uh, Diego. He says, going back to the Star Wars universe is very special for me. I have so many memories of the great work we did together and the relationships I made throughout the journey. We have a fantastic adventure ahead of us, and this new exciting format will give us the chance to explore this character more deeply. Uh, Yeah, great. Uh, I I think this is going to be fantastic. I'm, I'm still holding my breath for the announcement of the Kenobi Streaming series, um, Ewan McGregor, lock him in for eight to ten episodes. Go out to Tunisia and just roll tape. And, uh, <laughs> see what know, happens. See what happens. Uh, let's see what's happening on the uh, RFR voicemail hotline with one more Cassian series reaction call from uh, you guys, a loyal RFR listening audience. All right. This is uh, Eric from Utah. Take it away, Eric. Hey guys, this is Eric Wood from Utah. Uh, love the show. I'm calling about the new Casting and Andor live action TV series. Um, because it's surprising to me that this was announced today, mostly because I think we should be going into prequel territory at this point. I'm a little tired of sticking with the, the Empire, the prequels, to a new hope type story. Um, I think it's time that we branch out into more of that, that prequel territory and the sequel trilogy territory. Um, I, I want to know what you guys think, but is this 
playing it safe. To me, I think it is. Um, again, love the show. Thanks. Bye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I have strong thoughts on that. Uh, really, uh, some insiders told me when the Disney sale went down back in 2012 that uh, the people who were coming in with Disney weren't really exactly big fans of the prequels. And I always applied the term to those people as having prequelitis. And I think there still is a mild case of that floating around the uh, Disney slash Lucasfilm hallways. And uh, that's fair. And I, I appreciate the fact that they are uh, trailblazing some fresh ground. But um, there have been advancements made as far as acceptance of new prequel ideas and and uh, injecting uh, prequel centric ideas back into current Star Wars storytelling. I see it all the time in the comics. I I, I can uh, pick up on things even with Star Wars Resistance. Uh, you know, we're seeing some nods to the prequels there, too. As far as a deep dive goes back in the prequel era, I think the best we can hope for right now is resurrection of the Kenobi idea that I was just talking about, either as a, a major motion picture or as a season of the live-action streaming service. I think that would be fantastic. And I think there you'll get some solid prequel stuff. Like I said, I would like to see a nod to the prequels by bringing back Mace Windu and putting him into some sort of situation with the birth of the rebellion and stuff and have one last grandstand from old Mace. Samuel Jackson would jump uh-huh. at that. And he would do that in a second. Sam would do it. He would do it in a second. So uh, it, it, the, the possibilities are endless. I love the potential uh, streaming is presenting as far as live action series goes. Uh, no longer are we constrained by the old ideals and norms of network scheduling. And we've seen success with the Marvel franchise and all the streaming series they've done with Netflix, etc., and And even on network TV. So, uh, I, I like to see where we're going more with Star Wars. I think I think the future looks pretty bright as far as television goes. Um, yeah, I might be whistling a different tune this time next year, but I don't think so. And I'm, I call it television just because it's not a movie. Uh, but uh, the streaming thing is going to be a big deal. And uh, while Bob Iger was talking during his uh, conference call, he did talk a little bit about the new app, the Disney Plus app. And he's had an early preview of it. So uh, in cut two, he talks a little bit about that. I saw an iteration of the app last week, and I was very impressed with it. Um, it will, it's, it's not quite in ready for prime time because it's still being iterated, but there, it, it will be elegant. It will be very brand-centric, which will, we believe, add uh, navigational features that typically don't exist on other platforms, namely that there will be segments under the brand, uh, program segments under the brands, Disney, Pixar, Star Wars, um, Marvel, and, uh, and the National Geographic. So we think there'll be an elegance to it and ease of use, and we're going to super serve the most ardent fans of those five different uh, brands by creating experiences and environments that are more tailored or customized and personalized to those brands. Hmm. Yeah, so it sounds like you go into the app, perhaps, and you decide what, where are you going? Are you going into 
the galaxy far, far away? Are you going into the Marvel Universe? Are you going into perhaps Pixar? Uh, not unlike the parks, Jim, where you have you know different parts of the park that are based and uh, centralized around a certain set of characters or you know from a particular movie. I just like how it really seems like you can just click on the button that says Star Wars and it'll all be there. Yeah, I like that too. That's all I want. I just yeah. want ease of use. Cuz yeah. I'm not I'm not somebody who customizes or does I mean I really don't do much of that stuff. I just know what I want and I click on what I want. And so uh, I I hope that uh, uh, at least it sounds like what Bob's saying with this Disney Plus app you can be very specific as far as uh where you want to go and what you want to see. But I don't think I'll be looking. You know, hey, man, I might be looking at that National Geographic app more than you think. There's some interesting stuff there, too, uh, hmm. which is going to be part of their initial launch. Marvel, he said it was going to be Marvel, Star Wars, Disney, National Geographic. And was there a fifth one, Pixar? So it's going to be amazing. And... uh and speaking of amazing and live action shows, now let's not all start like fawning all over Cassian and start forgetting about The Mandalorian, okay? Because that's on everyone's radars. And it's on Bob Iger's radar as well. Our Disney branded service, which we're officially calling Disney Plus, will be in the U.S. market late next year, offering a rich array of original Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, and National Geographic content along with unprecedented access to our incredible library of film and television content, including all of our new theatrical releases, starting with the 2019 slate. We've already announced a robust pipeline of Disney Plus original content currently in production, including The Mandalorian, the world's first live-action Star Wars series, written and produced by Jon Favreau. As you know, Jon launched the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Iron Man, he also redefined live-action storytelling in Jungle Book, and he's doing it again with Lion King. So we're thrilled to have him creating content for this new platform. Bob Iger, Bob Iger, who uh, threatened uh, weeks ago that it wasn't just one series, but multiple series that were in development. Jim, overall, I have to say that I'm surprised that we're hearing about the second series this soon. I really wasn't expecting it. Oh, no, neither was I. I wasn't expecting any announcements until 2019 at the earliest. And uh, very surprised. But, you know, Bob had been teasing us in earlier conference calls this year that there are multiple live action series in development right now. Various and, uh, stages of development. As various I think stages. Well, he would say. And, and, of course, that, you know, I mean, gosh, even just having a concept qualifies as being in development uh, if it's been green lighted. But I, I, I it's interesting to me, you know, you had mentioned last week about how. Marvel chose to uh, unveil or premiere uh, its series kind of all together. Netflix came out with, uh, what was it, five, four at one time? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, it was four initially. Right. Uh, and, well, I think uh, it was so, just Daredevil, and then they, they had well, Daredevil four. was first, right? They staggered the release of the initial four leading up to the Defenders. But the the idea of having more than one live-action Star Wars series to, and as you mentioned, the Loki series, the Tom Hiddleston, uh, you know, is this, uh, are they biting off more than they can chew here? I mean, we, we, we've, we have said before that the staggering, the, the, the release schedule 
rather, of the films was a bit ambitious. Now we're talking about two series in different time frames of the galaxy far, far away, premiering perhaps around the same time as each other. I don't think it's going to be same time because the the Cassian show won't go into production until next year. So it might be like a fall 2019 release for The Mandalorian and then a spring 2020 release for Cassian or even a fall 2020. So it could be staggered in that way. Um, now, is it that's possible? how I would do it? Is it is possible? It, well, I'm saying, is it possible that what we're seeing is the second season of the Star Wars live action series? First season would be Mandalorian. Second season would be the adventures of Spymaster Cassian Andor. Yeah. And then perhaps there's something else. Could it be the, I don't want to say the exact same show, but could it be the same show in, in following that anthology format that you've mentioned before? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you wouldn't even have to make any distinction. You could just have Star Wars Cassian, Star Wars, the man. I think they're going to just call it the Mandalorian, though. There's been no indication it could be Star Wars colon the Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. It's just going to be the Mandalorian. And uh, so I think with Cassian Andor, I don't know. I like the idea of Star Wars Rebellion. I, I just like how that sounds, and it hasn't really been used yet as a title for anything. Mm-hmm. So it could be easily applied to a show starring Cassie and Andor, and uh, so so that a lot to look for as far as the uh, the live streaming thing goes. And I just hope that we get some great quality stuff. Television has been really uh, in, in the age of the binge and high-quality television programming that people adore as much as they love cinematic franchises, you know, things like Game of Thrones, uh, whatever Star Trek is doing these days. Uh, (laughs) They're even bringing back Breaking Bad. They're going to do a Breaking Bad thing, Walking Dead, of course. Whoa, 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 whoa. They're going to bring back Breaking Bad? Yeah, there's going to be a movie based on what happens with Jesse following the events of what happened in the Breaking Bad series. No that's what kidding. I heard. Yeah. Now, and that's, you're talking about a theatrical release or a made-for-TV or made-for... No, I shouldn't say made-for-TV, but made-for-streaming kind of film. I don't know. I don't know, because that's an AMC property, so I assume uh, that it would fall under that banner. And speaking of television, and, and television people love, people love The Walking Dead. <laughs> and just this past week was Rick Grimes's last episode of The Walking Dead. Rick has been the main protagonist of the entire series, beloved character by fans of that show. And uh, so with his passing, or I oh, shouldn't say... Oh, oh, oh No, oh, you know what? That's oh, not fair to say. He didn't because there is no passing. Live action Star oh, Wars sorry. Hold on, hey, Bob. Oh, Bob. I Bob. Mean Bob. Hey, Bob's just like... excited there, Bob. Bob's I, like, I, I wait just... a second. They're talking spoiler about AMC alert. stuff? Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Barely got it out here. Uh, Jimmy Mack pulling a, uh, a no. Baze Malbus here. I shouldn't uh, say died because that's not... Uh, when he did... Uh, 
who that's big spoiler stuff. And uh, so people, uh, I'm sorry to any uh, Walking Dead fans, but you'll see, you'll if, if you watch the episode, you'll learn that that's not a spoiler. What I said, what I said was probably a gross inaccuracy. Uh, I think I can report because it has been reported <laughs> that uh, there's going to be spinoff movies featuring Rick Grimes. But you don't know where on the Walking Dead timeline that actually falls. So I was uh, actually, when I first watched that episode, I jumped to some conclusions about his character that I'm still kind of clinging on to. So, you know, yeah, so that's just me. So I don't think that could be a spoiler. It's an assumption on my part and um, uh, inconclusive assumption by far. So um, let's get back to why I'm talking about the freaking Walking Dead on the Star Wars podcast is because when the situation surrounding Rick came to a conclusion... Uh-huh. On the episode, <laughs> there was a jump forward in time to the tune of about six years. What? Yes. And you saw Rick's daughter, Judith, and she had she'd grown up. Now she's like an early you know, preteen, early teen. And she's exhibiting characteristics of her family members who are no longer around. It's kind of, it was kind of cool. It's like, wow, this, this might actually breathe some new life into this franchise. Well, why am I talking about it? Because young Judith is played by a star Wars veteran, a a star, an actress who was featured in the biggest star Wars movie of all time. And she made her debut on the walking dead this past week. So I'm going to turn it over to, uh, Scott Gimple, who is a producer on The Walking Dead, and he is going to fill us in on who that actress actually is. Kaylee Fleming. Yep. Uh, people might know her as Young Ray from The Force Awakens. Amazing. Um, she is amazing. She is brilliant. She's smarter than all of us. Mm-hmm. And she's uh, incredibly funny. And she's not so little ass kicker, I guess, is what you call her. <laughs> Quiet girl. Quiet girl. We actually have that clip. Let's hear. Uh, now, now she's a, a Walking Dead actress. Uh, she now plays Judith Grimes, Kaylee Fleming. Let's hear her as we know her as Star Wars fans in her uh, amazing appearance in The Force Awakens. <laughs> There you go. There you go. Now, that that talent is now all over The Walking Dead. She's brilliant. And that clip we heard of the producer, Scott Gimple, that was taken from the post-show, Talking Dead. And uh, that's on AMC after every episode, every new episode on Sunday of of The Walking Dead. And so, you know, I I watched the the show with Wendy and stuff. And then, you know, I, I listened to them all talk about the show and stuff and... Then I'm like, I, yeah, I need to get out of here. So I take my dog out for a walk. And so Wendy texts me. She's like, Judith is young Ray. Judith is young Ray. Come home. So <laughs> it's, it's like, like the bat signal uh, showing was, up was, above the house. It was, it was earth Star Wars news. reference. Earth shattering news. Wow. But if you want to ever see what became of young Ray from that brief glimpse we got of her in uh, The Force Awakens, now she's going to be playing. Uh, what seems to be one of the the main players there on uh, 
The Walking Dead is it is it you know starts to move into some new territory for sure. So very cool stuff. So welcome, uh, young Ray. Oh, I should also say another guy who's shown up now in uh, Walking Dead is Dan Fogler, Hutch from Fanboys. Get out of here, you Kirk-loving Spock suckers. Seems like he's going to be on the show now as a, really? as a oh, recurring character. Boy. Yeah, You know, I, I, I've got a bad feeling about that. I think that dude's <laughs> got, a, he's got a big bullseye on his chest. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. brain or whatever it is that these zombies eat. Um. But that's that's uh, that's amazing. Of course, yeah, she stood out, young Ray, uh, looking ever so sad at the uh, cruiser of her. What we now know, her junker parents that sold her off to Uncar Plutt for uh, some gambling money or drink money. Yeah. Well, now was it was it drink or gambling? I think it was, it was gambling. It was like yeah, beer, beer and pizza money. I mean, it was like nothing <laughs> even really that great. Beer and pizza. Yeah. <laughs> They sold you off for beard pizza. (laughs) That lacks the dramatic punch, I think, that uh, the filmmakers are looking for there. Well, yeah, I was just trying to do my best, Kylo. Kylo Ren. It sounds kind of like the the Nicolas Cage voice I did last week. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Oh. this up it's sitting here on the list of things to talk about and that is the reveal in marvel's darth vader comic right where they are telling the story of the origin of darth vader's mustafar castle i have to confess i have not read it all no big surprise there all right i have not read it all but uh, I am aware of what the circumstances are surrounding the Vader castle. But for our listeners' sake, I was certainly wouldn't want them to get my, uh, you know, to, to, to sense my bias as I uh, lay it all out there. So, so why don't you give us a sense of what the origin of the Vader castle is and what it might mean? No, 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 no. No? You had, last week, you had some opinion piece that you were leaning on that you wanted to talk about, and it was regarding this specific well, issue. Well, but you've read the comics. Darth Vader. But I you've read, read the, the comics. comics. But I wanted, I, I was not prepared to hear any sort of opinion pieces that you dug up on the deep, dark web huh. before I was, before I actually read the comic. Okay. Yeah. All right. So all I'm right. I'm a little more interested in hearing because now I'm curious after all. Okay. And I think our listeners are too. Actually, we received a few emails from people and Facebook messages saying, "Hey, I, I want to hear what you guys have to say about that Darth Vader comic." So I was just really curious about what that right. opinion piece was all about because you seem to be leaning toward a negative based on what you had read in whatever blog it is that you're looking at. Or well, what have you? Yeah, I mean, here, here's what I didn't like. Okay, so there was a there was an article that that crossed uh, my desk by 
uh, what was this? Uh, Ryan Britt. He writes for Inverse.com. And the headline was Force Awakens basically already promised us a Vader ghost in Episode 9. So this is joining the ranks of all the crazy Episode 9 rumors that are uh, starting to show up as we're closing in on a year away. And um, he says everyone's busy talking about Luke and the role he'll play in Episode 9. But there's another Skywalker we should be more concerned with Anakin, a.k.a. Darth Vader, because at the time this story was being published in the canon Marvel Star Wars comics, uh, Darth Vader's reasons for building his castle on Mustafar were revealed. Yes. And the real reason was that he was trying to contact the spirit of his dead wife, who he betrayed. Well, he was. Uh, it, so I he mean, wants that to was... commune with Padme. Yes, he wants to commune with Padme. And so you have a and okay, so you have a problem with. Well, that? yeah, I have a problem with it. I've, okay, I, I've, I, I kind of do too. So I, I, I want to hear what you have to say. And then... I have a lot of problems. First of all, uh, canonically, uh, Anakin slash Vader would not be privy to uh, the information that. Obi-Wan was given at the end of episode three from Yoda that communing with those who have made who've been able to uh, uh, pass through to the netherworld of the force yet maintain their individuality, their identity. That's something that Anakin slash Vader would not have known even existed as a power for uh, for 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 force users, for sensitives, Jedi, whatever you want to say. So for him to be building this castle as a way to commune with Mm-mm. the ghost of a non-Jedi, non-Force sensitive. I mean, it just it, it just seems completely uh, impossible, unrealistic. No, 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 no. See, he wouldn't okay. have known about it. I, I don't know. I, okay, let me just stop you right mm-hmm. there. Okay, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, you defend this. Go ahead. Um, well, I I think there's just some confusion here. I don't think we're dealing with an issue of force ghosts in trying to communicate with the ghost of Padme. It was talked about in Revenge of the Sith. Palpatine revealed this information to Anakin that Darth Plagueis was experimenting with the force in an effort to raise the dead and bring dead people back to life. And that's the sort of Sith dark side thing that well, they're tapping into. Well, in the film, though, in the in the film, he said that they have the ability, or that they might have the ability to uh, to cheat death. Yes, to uh, stop someone from dying. I don't recall him ever talking about any kind All of right. resurrection. Resurrection, okay, um, to stop people from dying. Yeah, he wanted to prevent it because he was having these visions of you know what he perceived to be the future, which turned out to be indeed the case. But he was misinterpreting when and what the circumstances were. He didn't really see himself as being one of the main culprits there. Couldn't have seen that coming. The the veil between life and death. Uh-huh. Now you have to understand how Vader gets there. <laughs> let me let me just give you a sort of Cliff Notes version of what's happening here in the Darth Vader comic book line. 
Palpatine was seeking to reward Vader, so he granted him a planet of his choosing. Vader chose Mustafar. Palpatine gave Vader Padme's old starship, that silver starship that we see in The Phantom Menace. Okay? Mm-hmm. Vader flies that ship into the atmosphere of Mustafar with the shields down and trashes the ship in an effort to make it look more badass and evil. And he succeeds. He's bringing with him two Imperials who are architects, and uh, they are there to build a dwelling for him, for suitable for a legit Sith Lord. And so they come up with a design idea, with which Darth Vader rejects. <laughs> this almost reminds me of when uh, George Lucas was hiring uh, uh, architect firms to... Um, developed the George Lucas Museum of Narrative Art on Chicago's Lakeshore. And uh, they, they presented him with some, some real funky designs, which he rejected. The funkiest of all, he did approve. And that's part of the reason why that museum is not on the Lakeshore right now. Well, wait, let me get this straight, though, as far going back to Vader. Yeah. So he wants to trick out the Naboo... Starship. He does that, yes. He wants to trick it out by running it through yeah. uh, the atmosphere of Mustafar without the shields up. Right. And he almost kills the Imperial occupants of the ship while doing that. And they freak out when he's doing it, too. Uh, the, the ship remains intact, but it's completely scorched on the outside and like mm. sizzling. And it's, it's almost like when you go to the Greek restaurant and they bring you out the uh, cheese, the saganaki plate, and it's opa, and it's all on fire. It's kind of like that. <laughs> okay. I'll take your word for that. Um, so, uh, Vader travels to Mustafar in this ship. And uh, one of the things in there is an old Sith artifact. It's a, a helmet that belonged to a Sith Lord named Momin. I don't know if he was necessarily a Sith Lord or just a really uh, powerful dark side practitioner. But hmm. he, he was trained in the ways of the Sith and ended up killing his master, etc. The mask is possessed by the essence of Momin. And he, whoever wears the mask then carries out his deeds. And he's like a twisted artist. Vader rejects the first design that the Imperial architects present him with. And then the second guy puts on the mask, the second of the two architects, puts on the mask, kills the first architect, and then creates what is Vader's castle, what we see in Rogue One. Oh. And so Vader gives it a thumbs up. But Vader also recognizes the threat of the mask, becomes overwhelmed by it, even puts it on for a moment, but doesn't get possessed himself by it. He's too strong. So he gets a Mustafarian, you know, those those weird sort of like praying mantis type guys that we saw briefly in Revenge of the Sith. Oh, yeah. They were out there like mining lava. Yep. yep. And so he grabs one of them. And he wipes out a whole bunch of them. And, and then he, he puts the helmet on one of them and then starts communicating with this dark side spirit. And um, 
Vader is interested in the dark side power that Mustafar contains. He mm. considers it to be like a nexus of the dark side. Mm. And so this this spirit is communicating with him now and, and says, you know, if you go beyond this door, you're going to be reunited with uh, what, you know, the person you're looking for. And Vader doesn't buy it and immediately mm-hmm. starts force choking the spirit who is in habit, who is, pos- <laughs> well, the spirit is possessing the, the physical uh-huh. body of the Mustafarian and wearing okay. the helmet. Right. And that's where the issue ends. And the next issue comes out on the 14th. So mm. next week we'll uh, get part five of this story. But to immediately jump to the conclusion. Now, okay. Well, I. Okay, this isn't a. Four, come on. This, this, I, I know you love the comics. I know that you've got a soft spot and you're sentimental about them because of, you know, growing up with the no, original. No, it's not that. It's, uh, these are quality on, this stories. Is to- this is a total violation of anything that we might consider how do you, canon. How, 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 do you, how do you consider that a violation? How? Because if... Because as Han Solo said, that's not how the Force works. What, what does Han Solo know? If, if, a, if a dying a dying Sith Lord who is like extremely powerful um, uh-huh. and he was he was operating all of this this machinery too because he created this it's a long story but he was creating this ship right what movie was that in it doesn't matter this is a comic book and also that's another thing you have to understand you have to appreciate the medium comic books play out differently in a different fashion than a movie would or a TV show. It's a different medium altogether. I agree. And I have no problem with that. And but so sometimes don't, things don't can be over the top. don't start changing the dynamics there, I don't, of I the nature of the force and how, you know, ghosts and uh, communion with the afterlife and all of that operates in the Star Wars universe. You can be as exaggerated and as bold as you want in the action sequences and you can have... Uh, you know, have force unleashed style force powers. That's fine, but something like that it seems feels very core, very fundamental to how we understand the, the you know the the way life and death and everything in between operates in the galaxy far, far away. I I just I don't like it just because it makes a for a an interesting comic book. Well. I think your opinions lack credibility because a you haven't read the comic book, <laughs> no, and and I've... two you are uh, you are being influenced by uh, someone else's opinion from Inverse. dot com. And that's not funny. at all. I actually think that uh, I actually think that uh, Ryan Britt here uh, is a big fan of uh, of this. So. Uh, he he likes this idea. I think he's, he's misinterpreting this, though. Well, he, I, he I is using it as out. yeah. I mean, he is using it as uh, evidence that there will be a force ghost of Darth Vader in Episode Nine, and he's sort of beginning with that whole idea that. Okay, well, let's get to that. It, let's get right to. Let's just focus bullseye right on that topic. Force ghosts in Episode Nine. Yes or no? I say the possibility remains. Because of the fact that Darth Vader was brought back to the light by Luke before he passed on into the Force. And he's already returned via Anakin Skywalker mm-hmm. at the end of Return of the Jedi. There is a possibility that the dark side essence of him is 
out there also kind of in that limbo between dark and light and could get drawn into the light to make an appearance. Maybe the appearance of Darth Vader would be there as as a way to bring Kylo into the light. It could be some sort of, you know, some sort of manipulation on the part of Anakin Skywalker to maybe like, you know, it's like scared straight, you know, <laughs> Yeah. Remember that where the oh yeah they oh, go yeah. into the the prisoners go in yeah. and yell and scream at the high school kids who are delinquents, yeah, that's how that's how they should do it like that. If they are going to bring a Darth Vader back, use it as a way to mess with Kylo and push him in a certain direction. Well, he points to the fact that uh, evidence suggests that Kylo Ren was communing to Anakin Skywalker's ghost or Darth Vader's ghost at the beginning of episode one, uh, or at least trying to reach out. And he says, you know, show me again uh, the true meaning. So that that would assume that there was a, a, a first time if he's saying show me again. Um, and then the other one is the fact that... Uh, 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 what does he say here? Despite the idea of Vader's goes out, he's like a vague president. The other reason, be okay. Well, okay. His second one is you know, wow, wouldn't it be cool? <laughs> I mean, he's gonna have to do a little bit better than that. Wow, wouldn't it be cool? Um, and his his other reasoning is that um, he says, look, Darth Vader is the whole reason that these movies exist. The entire saga as we know it terms of the canonical uh, Roman numeral films has all been about uh, Darth Vader and his offspring. So why not? If you're going to bookend these things, uh, you got the opening of episode, uh, you know, well, let's just say if you're going to bookend these things, why would you not have uh, a cameo by Darth Vader kind of sum it all up? Um, Let me ask you a question. That's one, that's one, right? Personally, I don't think we need a Darth Vader cameo uh, in in that part of the saga. Uh, would I would I love to see some sort of uh, a flashback or something? Uh, yeah, that would be fine. Uh, even Anakin Skywalker would be great, actually. But you know, to 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 have like a Force Ghost Darth Vader show up and you know perhaps being part of some uh, plot to scare his grandson to get back on track or whatever it is. I don't know. I'm Listen, not, not a fan of the. Idea I have a question to ask you because yeah, I'm a little confused here. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, Ryan Britt, he uh, wrote this article for Inverse, and I, I said he may have been misinterpreting something from the the Marvel thing, but uh, I I don't know if if uh, he really does. Um, I, I just want to read the, the one part where he references, because he only reveals it just in this one part. He says, this week, the in-canon Marvel Star Wars comics established Darth Vader's reasons for building his super creepy castle on Mustafar. I don't think that's how Vader referred to his place. <laughs> My super creepy castle. <laughs> the real reason was he was trying to contact the spirit of the dead wife who he betrayed. Uh, when the uh, the dark side spirit says to Vader, a door, yes, the force locus, but it is locked. This is the spirit. 
This is reading from the comic. I, I have the comic yeah. right from it. Okay. It says, right, the great. Force Locus, it's locked. You can only see hints of where the path beyond might lead. Do you want to open it? Pass through. That is why you tried to steal my secrets here and why you are speaking to me now. But I saw into you as well, Lord Vader. You want something from me. Ask. Mm. And then he says, you created this design in your last body. Tell me what it is. And he's holding a hologram of the Vader castle that we see in Rogue One. He says, the door to the dark side is locked. This is the key. That's what the spirit reveals to uh-huh, uh-huh. Your, He said, your beloved waits for you there, Vader, beyond the door. My fortress will tune the energies of the locust. It is your first step toward the power of the dark side to pierce the veil of time between uh-huh. life and death. Like I said, the the power of the dark side to pierce the veil of time between life and death. And that's what that's where I drew the connection with Palpatine talking about Darth Plagueis. Right. And so that's that's where I got connected. I wasn't thinking four spirits. I was thinking, you know, dark side tradition, Sith tradition, Darth Plagueis. Stopping hmm. people from dying, essentially. Well, stopping people from dying, but not, not bringing them back once they've crossed over. I mean, even Harry Potter has uh, some rules about that, that, you know, Dumbledore tells Harry Potter in the very first one, uh, you can't bring people back once they've crossed over. And I feel like that's what uh, what, what Star Wars has been. Um, but if there's a, a mission, perhaps, or there's... Um, some lesson to be learned. Uh, the teacher will represent it. The, uh, represent themselves. Uh, you know, you get the sense from watching Yoda's appearance in the Last Jedi that he hasn't appeared to Luke in a very long time. So there's not just kind of this regular like communion. What's up going on? I think there has to be real reason for these uh, uh, Jedi characters to to show up. And by Jedi characters, I mean really. Yoda and Obi-Wan, they're the only ones that have seemed to have mastered this. Well, Anakin as well. All right. Well, I mean, this is where the comic ends. You have to understand this is very open-ended. And I think it's unfair to jump to conclusions about and, and say that this is the real reason. He was tempted by Palpatine and Palpatine's promise of a power that could prevent people from dying. And Vader... Didn't you know he doesn't believe it? He thinks he was lied to right here in the comic in this panel as he is force choking the Mustafarian that is possessed by the spirit of the dark side Lord Momin. He's choking this guy and he says, I've been lied to about the dark side's ability to prevent death before. Do not offer me things you cannot provide. And so the spirit says he wants to create. Remember, I told you the spirit is an artist and the spirit wants to create. And Vader is feeling like this guy is going to betray him. But at the end, the spirit does get Vader to agree to let him build this this castle. Mm. And it's inconclusive right now. As far as that's the real reason. Vader has revealed that there is a dark side nexus on the planet Mustafar that he wants to tap into. I'm going to have to reread some of these pages 
just to make sure there's not some throwaway line to, to Padme or his his former beloved or some kind of crazy crap like that. But uh, let's get back and talk about this a little more because I think it's unfair to jump to the conclusion that the comic book is twisting established canon at this point in the story. There's, there's still – we got to get back next week and take a look at the issue and uh, talk more about it. And, okay, so uh, we have a lot left on the show we want to get to, but we're clearly running short on time. So Star Wars Resistance to Classified is going to be moved to next week. We'll talk yeah. about both the children of Tahar and Single from Sector 6. It's going to be a double review of that. I do have a little Star Wars and pop culture I'd like to get to real quick to wrap up the show. Yeah, let's do that. Rebel Force Radio. You've already made that Star Wars reference. Your source for the Force. Star Wars parody! <laughs> Man, string cheese incident. I haven't heard about them in a long time. One of the uh, the big jam bands out oh, there. Oh, yes. And Jim, I know you're a big fan of the jam bands with I the do. original I... jam band, the Grateful Dead. Yes, and I, I do I do like a good jam band. And uh, I, I got a message from Nosef Joel from Facebook at facebook.com slash Radio, And he says, uh, check out this. He goes, this is the end of all Star Wars covers. <laughs> all right, this is it, man. This, Move over, done. Miko. We're done. And uh, so this, is, this was an incredible night. String Cheese Incident playing live at the Swanee Halloween. And they did this incredible Space Jam encore. And when I say Space Jam, I'm not talking about lame R. Kelly songs. Or <laughs> Michael Jordan. I'm talking about great science fiction from the 70s and 80s. They opened with the Close Encounters Jam which was just mind-blowing. But then they went into some real hardcore Star Wars riffing with the Star Wars main theme. They had a great jam on that, went into some cantina music featuring live clarinet, and then into an extremely heavy Imperial March. The jam continued outside of Star Wars with some Star Trek Next Generation jamming and original Star Trek series jamming, wrapping it all up with a big, 2001. I mean, faces were melting in the audience as this was going on. Unbelievable. But what we're concentrating here is on uh, some of the Star Wars stuff. You can catch this full video at the uh, String Cheese Incident Facebook page. And again, I want to thank Nosef Joel, or Joel, Nosef Joel. Uh, is he be Joseph Noel? I, I, no. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a... <laughs> Or it it's could like be Pig Latin, yeah. Uh, you know the guy's yeah. Pig Latin. A little switcheroo there. But so, uh, Nosef, thank you for sending this to us. I'm going to play a couple minutes here just to give you a good taste of what was going on with that Star Wars jam, including the entire Cantina jam. So turn up your earbuds and let's rock out with the String Cheese Incident on Halloween with their Star Wars tribute. <laughs>
man. We didn't even get to the Knight Rider bit. Oh. <laughs> well, next week. Next week. All right, let's do it next week. Oh, string, string cheese incident. Uh, I, I, I like it. I like it. It was great. But uh, I don't know. I kind of dig the Disco Nico remix better. But that was good stuff. That was very good. Check out the video at String Cheese's Facebook page. And I'm telling you, your face will melt. Their live show is amazing. And their light show will just blow you away. It was an incredible concert. You'll see that in the crowd, there's not a single body that isn't moving. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us this week. Hope you enjoyed the show. And, uh, of course, the big news, the Cassian Andor live-action series officially announced by CEO of Disney, Bob Iger. Going to be part of Disney+. Plus. That's the name of this long-talked-about streaming service. It's going to be joining the ranks of Hulu, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Crackle. Anybody watching Crackle? (laughs) Crackle, I always see it. I never click on it. I never click on it either. It used to be the home for Jerry Seinfeld's Comedians in Cars, Getting Coffee, or whatever it is. Yeah. Comedians Getting Coffee in Cars, something like that. It used Uh, to be a great candy bar from the Nestle Company. The Crackle. Yeah, what? That's right. Because you'd always get, like, the... uh, the bite-sized bag, and Crackle would be the Rice Krispie version. Yes. Right? Yes. Well, well, Crackle still exists, but I think it only exists as part of those bite-sized. I'll keep my eye open it next time I'm shopping. For All right. Bite-sized candy. But anyway, so Disney Plus, that's the name of it. Uh, but you can get RFR Plus anytime you like and you just go to patreon.com slash rebel force radio sign up to be a supporter and you'll never miss an episode of rebel force radio and our bonus content from uh, clone wars declassified remastered to uh, rfr rush hour rfr rewind rfr uh, q a plus uh, so much more over there including uh, ringtones early access to rebel force radio events when they happen I would suspect that there might be something coming up here in April. So uh, keep it tuned right here to Rebel Force Radio to find out those details. We also invite you to support our sponsors this week, the folks at Casper, casper.com slash Rebel Force Radio. That is the URL. And uh, we appreciate you going there and uh, checking out all that they have to offer, including $50 off your next mattress. Just use promo code RFR. Email address, show at rebelforceradio.com and the voicemail line if you wish to leave us same is 708-320-1737. That's 708-320-1RFR. And we are on Facebook. We're not on Twitter. So if you're on Twitter talking to us, that's not us. (laughs) Don't talk to those people. Eh, Don't do that. But we are on Facebook and... uh, We've got uh, a great Facebook page there that keeps you up to date on uh, everything going on with Rebel Force Radio, as well as rebelforceradio.com. Of course, that's your official source for all things and everything Rebel Force Radio, including all of our back episodes, news, links to our merchandise, like Rebel Force Radio t-shirts. What better way to say I love you and happy holidays than a Rebel Force Radio t-shirt? The Star Wars fan who has everything 
check us out, rebelforceradio.com. Uh, iTunes still remains uh, the, probably the most complete place on the web to get podcasts, including Rebel Force Radio. It's a great place to subscribe and review all your favorite shows, including Rebel Force Radio. Just one rule on those reviews, please. Make them good. And you can find Rebel Force Radio streaming at WGNplus.com, YouTube, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and just about anywhere you can find podcasts except Twitter. We're not on Twitter. All right, that's it. We'll see you next time. Thank you all so much for being here. Can't wait to talk to you again. Rebel Force Radio for RFR. I'm Jason. And I'm at Jimmy Mac Radio on Twitter. No, 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 no. <laughs> He's not kidding. I don't look at it, though. Uh, Sometimes Andrew, I do. And remember. The Force will be with you. Always. Or two. Sue somebody.